During my decades of research, I've, I have um, discovered over 40 different species going to and from the marrow. And that's just from uh, the half dozen or so entrances that I've found. A half dozen or so. Mm -hmm. Now, are they always out in the woods or near a creepy cemetery? Sometimes in the woods, sometimes in a cemetery, and sometimes in other places. So. The IHOP. IHOP? Um, why would they have a marrow entrance where there's an IHOP? They like pancakes. Pancakes? Everybody loves pancakes. You're listening to the Buzzkill Podcast. Episode 89, welcome back to the Buzzkill Podcast, where around these parts, getting into the marrow is a much more sticky affair. Ew. Splat. you? <laughs> I'm Mike. I'm Jim. And I'm Justin. And today, we're spelunking for smegma. <laughs> <laughs> our best... Our, I had to catch you off guard. <laughs> our best intro yet. 89 episodes in, and that was your finest one, Michael. <laughs> Spelunking for smegma, my god. <laughs> oh boy. We, that's how we keep it classy here on the old BKP. <laughs> well, uh, now that we know what Mike's been up to this week, <laughs> what have you been up to, Jay? Oh, you know, smegma hunting. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I, I was with Mike. You guys were, hey, wait a second. You guys went smegma hunting and you didn't invite me? It's, yeah. it's the tag team sport, I'm sorry. <sighs> tag team, back again. Check the let's begin. Oh my god. Uh, so yes, it's this been the a quickest has ever gone off the rails. <laughs> it's been doing the standard standard work stuff, and uh, got to see uh, Sarah's brother came in town for Boston for Mother's Day to visit his, visit his mom. So got to hang out with him and his uh, lovely uh, girlfriend. Baston. Baston. Is uh, now Sarah's family isn't from around there? Are, are no, they? no, he he moved there for work. <clears throat> oh, he okay, right on. So he doesn't have the accent then. Uh, no, not yet. That's a disappointment. Not yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> He'll get there, though. Other than that, today marked at 3 p.m. today, hit the one year on the dot timeline on our countdown to our wedding. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yep. So we got to watch the thing go from 365 days and this many minutes and seconds down to uh, 364 days and X amount of times. So. Nice. That's also the uh, the countdown to me saving enough money to go to Hawaii. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> so if it's not all burned down by that time, so yeah, really. Oh, volcanoes oh, geez, and stuff. Yeah, man, Hawaii, yeah, Hawaii crazy might be just gone by this time. You know, I know year. that's on the Big uh, Island, but who's to say that all the volcanoes over there can't just magically start erupting? It's all happening. But how badass would that be to have lava in your wedding pictures? That would be cool. Yeah, I, I gotta be honest with you. Go now. <laughs> just, just bump it up. Just jump in. <laughs> These are the good years, man. Might splash, as well just... splash, I was taking a bath <laughs> in some just, lava. Just get married and then dive in immediately. That way you always have marital bliss for eternity. You don't know why they did it. They just, <laughs> they said I do and then they jumped. You know what, they, though? They looked really happy, though. It wouldn't be an instant death, though. He'd be like the guy from Volcano where he's <laughs> jumping off the back of the uh, train. train car. And he's just like, that's like <gasps> the slowest melt oh on the face. Oh, my God. I immediately regret this decision. <laughs> 
I am entirely aflame. <laughs> oh my god. Oh boy. <clears throat> so I had a, uh, I had sort of a um, final destination moment today. I was, I oh. went to, I went to pick my son up, and uh, we were driving home on uh, <clears throat> eastbound six ninety six, and I get stuck in the middle lane. Well, there's what, what are there five lanes? Wait, where were uh, you? F- f- four lanes. <laughs> depends. It depends on where you're at. Oh, is it? Does it? I, I was like by down by uh, down by like Gratiot, Gross, oh, okay. Grossbeck, Gratiot. Yeah, yeah. So four lanes, right? And uh, I, so I was in the like the the second lane in from the right, and there's a car on my right blocking me in. Mm-hmm. There's a car on my left blocking me in, and there's a tow truck directly in front of me. And he didn't have there. It was like a a Malibu, like a newer Malibu. Mm-hmm. He didn't have it chained down properly and every time you know like in case you don't know uh our roads are notoriously shit here in in michigan even our highways and uh every time he would hit a bump the back end of this thing was jumping to the right and by the time i finally was able to veer off into the right lane the 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 right back tire was hanging halfway off oh my god now i think that like even regardless i don't think the car would have fallen off but when I was in this, it would have situ- sucked for the person that owned that car, oh, though, because it would have destroyed the the bottom of the car. Oh yeah, definitely. I didn't care about that. All I cared about was getting over and out of the way. I was so scared, dude. And uh, so you got over to the right side, the side the car was falling towards. To, to well, I got him. I got over and then I gunned it past <laughs> him. I was like, nope, I'm getting out of here. I was like, should I signal them and let them know? I was like, nope, was- I just got to get out of here. What uh, what towing company was it? Um. I, I didn't even bother it's to probably look. probably that same douchebag that came to pick up my car that one time. <laughs> I, I probably, probably, probably was. Oh, man. It was scary, though. Like, I actually... It was like a... Literally, like a Final Destination kind of thing. I, was like, I, was, I thought I thought you were going to say that, that, that your kid constructed, like, a Rune Goldberg thing in the back of your car. He could do that. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> at the very end of your ride, you barely missed, like, the, the axe coming down from the side or something. Rube, by the Rube, way. Rube, sorry, Rube. I, always say, I always say Rune. I don't know why. Because you like ancient runes. I do like uh, I do like, like rune stones and whatnot. Yeah, <laughs> another hook Dax bitch. <clears throat> regarding that, also, I, I listened to uh, I listened. Uh, well, I got like halfway through the um, the Joe Rogan episode where he had Tom DeLonge on, mm-hmm. which is just fascinating. Is it you good? Know? Like, I, oh yeah, have you listened to it? No, no. Because I know that you listen to Joe Rogan I sometimes. Absolutely, right? I absolutely would listen to it. Though, yeah. Um, uh, it's it's oh, like sorry. so it's so hard to tell whether he's just out of his mind or if I don't he's, think he is. I don't I don't I think to... he is either. Like I th- I think that like I think he literally well especially like now with the uh, the to the stars thing that yeah. he's doing, he he's actually hooked up with some some really legit mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty messed up. Like it's. I don't. It, so he's talking all this stuff, and I'm like, I think this is all true. I don't think that he's crazy. I think that he, um, he believes in what he believes, uh, in in a, in a, in a very in a believable way. Like, mm-hmm. like he's not just crazy. He doesn't think these things because they're crazy. They might be crazy <clears> things, <throat> but he has good reason to believe them. Right. He doesn't. So he's not willing to just push stuff aside because it's crazy. Yeah. He doesn't. He you doesn't know? come across as a conspiracy theorist no. at all. And he admits when he, there's stuff, like, he believes in certain stuff, but, like, um, when people ask him questions to try and corner him to make yeah. him sound crazy, he's not he's not afraid to say when he, like, I believe this, but I don't know it. Yeah. Whereas a lot of, like, conspiracy theorists are like, no, the no, Earth, this the is, Earth is, this is flat, what... and this is the reason the Earth is flat. It's like, no, you're I, stupid. I listen to, uh, I listen to sometimes the Chris Jericho podcast. Yeah. And um, it's not all, like, wrestling stuff or anything like that. He is... Tons of different people. I'm musicians. Talks, yeah. And, yeah. 
and uh, he had on like the president of the Flat Earth Society, oh. and oh my God, it was real. It was it was real something. It was, like I can, this guy's crazy. I can get He's behind crazy as shit. I can get behind aliens. I can get behind the paranormal. I can get behind um, what uh, what do they call mythical monsters? What do they call that? Um, um like crypto. Crypto, yeah, like uh, cryptozoology. I can mm-hmm. get behind all of that, but. I'm sorry, flat earthers. You're just dead wrong. No, you're just stupid. Well, one of the one of one of my more favorite conspiracy theories to like learn about. Not that I believe it because I think it's it's a it's a bunch of hogwash. But like, is Hollow Earth, and that's kind of what one of the movies we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. In a little in a way, when I was watching, I realized this is basically just their version of what Hollow Earth is. You talking about digging up the mirror? Yeah. Why is that Hollow Earth? Because people believe that underneath the earth, there's vast civilizations. That's well, what the Hollow Earth like society stuff is. Oh, is I okay? I guess I've never Sucks really that they looked. They live with lava. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can see like honestly, I can see th- like there being uh, just like in the crust of the Earth, hollowed out spaces where things. Which live. there are caverns and stuff yeah. down there, but it not. No, they're talking like there's there's oceans and continents. Like and, there's like, literally nothing in the middle of the Earth. Earth. And, it's yeah. like another world inside the center of the Earth. But we do have to say Hollow Earth, the band. Fantastic that our band. our buddy Steve Mashinsky is in. If you don't, if you haven't heard them, they're mm-hmm. awesome. You should check yep. them out. If you're a fan of like Converge stuff, like crazy ass, yeah, like thrash like, metal, oh yeah, it's fantastic. Um, I don't have a whole lot to talk about my week except for one thing that I discovered today, and that is the naked chicken chalupa is back at Taco Bell. What is that? What do you mean? What is that? I don't know what that is. It's the fucking taco with the chicken for the shell. I made you try this last year, and you. Uh, are you kidding me right now? I'm so, okay, so is your brain <clears throat> just not working? So I there's don't. a whole chicken wrapping that thing, like <laughs> like they take a chicken and they pull out its gizzards and stuff, and they stuff it with taco meat and lettuce and tomato. Dude, I I I try so many weird foods that it, like what? Explain this thing to me. Just explain it to me. It's pounded out chicken. Okay. That is a shell. All right. So and that's... then inside the chicken are the toppings. Okay. Oh my god, you were letting me down. That's like this joke I told you earlier today. It's like <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't you're like just it. letting me down well, today. In, in so what, was, what was the Did joke? Did you just say it's like the joke that <laughs> yeah. I told you? That I told you. Yeah, I no. Like, what was the joke, Mike? Um, uh, he can't say it can't on say air. Can't say. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. But it, it, I I I started to deconstruct it immediately, and he's like. You're really fucking up this joke. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but you just have to think about this logically. And it wasn't like, even a joke. It was just something that I thought that I, I just thought it was ironic. And he's just, he's just shitting on my parade the entire time. Just shitting in his mouth. <laughs> you I, guys are both a bunch of jokes. <laughs> a couple of jokers over here. Okay, so the naked, naked chicken, <laughs> the, naked. the naked, the naked chicken chalupa is back. Oh. Is this really? Some, is it good? It's amazing. You if had I, it. And listen, you, it, it blew your mind. I think it's on one of the episodes. Okay, that's fine. It if blew I, your mind. If I did try it, I I don't remember. I'm sorry. So disappointed. In it's right kind now. of because like I block things out like that. Like that. Uh, what was that? What was that monstrosity from uh, KFC? Where oh, was, the the double down. Yeah, I think it was disgusting. What was that? Wasn't it just two slabs of chicken with bacon and cheese in the yeah. middle? Yeah, yeah, it was disgusting. Yeah. That's Horrible. because I block stuff out like that. Like things well, that things that I shouldn't be putting into my body, I, I just kind of forget about because it's like this is a one time deal. Like huge dildos. Like this is a one time deal. Yeah, right. I gotta right. I, I gotta <laughs> one time. I have to block this out for the rest of my life. Alright you guys, enough of that. On to the more important things in the world. Yeah. Like 
is it Laurel or is it Yanni? Yeah. <laughs> so this just came out like today or yesterday. We record on a Wednesday. I think today, right? So uh, Sunday, you guys will already <clears throat> figured out what you think it says. But. Okay, so I, I woke up. I woke up early this morning. I woke up at about 6.30 and uh, there was already probably five people who had posted about it. And I clicked on it. I was like, all right. And people immediately started saying, oh, it's the new dress argument. And I was like, fuck, do I really want to get into this? So I clicked on it. What I heard was a male voice saying Laurel. And then underneath it, a female voice saying Yanni. That's all, that's what I heard. It's an EVP, man. So it's I a heard, ghost. So I heard both. What did you hear when you heard? I heard Laurel and only Laurel. And I, I forced myself. I heard kind of in the background i'm like well that could kind of be a y or an i at the end right and uh so the audio engineer and me decided to uh kind of splice it up a little bit <laughs> and, and if, you, if you cut everything off above 2k you get all just the low and you uh, hear laurel laurel and if you cut off all the lows and you can kind of hear that distant yanni but so it's just it's just so the it does sibilance kind of sound coming, like a woman whispering a it, little right? bit but it's just the sibilance from the voice sibilance coming off I, the you know when you when you hear you can hear my tongue now you know, there's things that happen when it, when a person speaks, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's kind of what you really hear in that is putting some of that off. I don't think they someone actually recorded a uh, a double voice of one saying Laurel and one no, saying Yanni. Yeah, no, it's I think just it's just, a, it's it's just, just, just like the natural uh, harmonics. It's, it's the recording or, of right. Laurel with hearing some of that extra <clears throat> stuff come off of it, which makes it sound that way. What about Mike? you, Smoke Show? Would you? Would you? Uh, what did explain this to me? What is this? You know what it is. Shut up. <laughs> Shut I have no idea what you're talking about. We just showed it to you like last year. Well, I'm sorry. I block things out like this sometimes, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to punch you in the face. What did you hear for real? I, I heard both this morning. They were playing on the radio. I heard Yanni at first. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, then you heard Yanni I first? I heard Yanni at first and everyone. I heard it over and over. And then they, uh, it was the second that I heard Laurel, though, Laurel. it was gone. Like I could, I, I could no longer hear Yanni whatsoever. It's like that my brain took over and that became the dominant uh sound that i heard the way I they, did... they also slowed it down they they played it at like three time or three quarter speed uh-huh. and when it slowed down it's it's very much laurel yeah like it's 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 very much that and you don't get the yanni part right. and so once you hear that you like you can't unhear it well this is a, i was i was kind of I, I was saying to you guys like just the natural uh I, I, because i'm not very learned on this kind of stuff i'll say just the natural like harmonics of it what I was describing to you guys is that silly thing that you do with your voice when you put your hand over your mouth. If you yeah. say the word girl, it sounds like girl, girl, girl. But if you put your if you put your hand over your mouth in a tube and say girl, it sounds like doy, 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 It sounds like doy, doy. It sounds like if you use a butthole for the tube. Too. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. If you scream, <laughs> if you scream girl directly into a butthole, and it sounds per- like and the other person, doy, doy, doy. the other person opens their opens their mouth. That's what and you hear coming. <laughs> no, the other end it comes out girl, girl, girl. <laughs> and if you uh, <laughs> if you sing the national anthem into a butthole like that, you, it sounds like. It is no wonder we our listeners are going down. <laughs> our listeners aren't going down. Shut up. You bite your your butthole. <laughs> All right. Let's uh let's get into some corrections. Yeah, let's do that. Stupid! You're so stupid! Alright, uh this week I am happy to say. We had a good week last week, unless you got something. Oh, I've got plenty. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I give up. 
Uh, well, first of all, I just needed to make this. I, there's a couple silly corrections that I need to make based off of us saying dumb things that, you know, we just do that sometimes. Okay. Uh, you called you called Kevin Bacon's character in Tremors Valentine. Valentine. Uh, also, when I was... I, I make this mistake quite often, and I usually correct myself. It's because I, I just... Like, I get to talking, and then I just slip up, and then usually I go back, and I'm like, oh, blah, blah, blah. We were talking about um, Freddy Krueger okay. last week, and then I said, I said, like, eh, yeah, Friday the Thirteenth, and then kept talking. I know that it's Nightmare, <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street, and that he's not in Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, <laughs> I do that quite often. I, I yeah. don't know why. Um, also, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what the poem or whatever the the short story "Us" is supposed to be based on. Uh-huh. But um, just to clarify... Wait, wait, sorry, sorry, go rewind for a second. Yeah, what? What did you say about the Kevin Bacon thing? That his name is Valentine, not Valentine. No, 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 about Friday the 13th or whatever. That's not Kevin Bacon. Or or whatever you were talking... (laughs) No, no, what were you talking about? We were talking about Freddy Krueger. Yeah. And then I mistakenly said Friday the 13th. Oh, instead oh, of okay. Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, okay, I so got I just, you. I got you. Sorry. Anybody who caught that and thought, "Wow, this guy's a, an idiot," I am an idiot, but not for that reason. Um, so I couldn't find. I was talking about. We were talking about us, the new Jordan Peele movie. Yeah. I said that somebody said it was allegedly based on some kind of poem or short story yeah. or something like that. I couldn't think. I couldn't find what it, what that was uh, specifically, but um, I did find this. It says. Uh, just a little bit of a, a background on on the movie. Uh, even though it is specifically stated that us will resol- will revolve around two couples, one black and one white, Jordan Peele stated that us will be a completely different film and will not focus on addressing race. Yes, it won't. Okay. Uh, cause some people are saying that oh, is this going to be a sequel to Get Out? Which well, yeah, is I mean, obviously he's, all about race. He's, but I think the people the reason that people got that is because he had said that he was like, working on. When he was in production of Get Out, he was working on like four other, like so like social thrillers. Yeah. At the time, that were all sort of in that same vein. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably where people got that from. Sure. Yeah. So. Uh, and then just one more thing, just because I found it interesting, uh, you were talking about Sly Stallone uh-huh. in Rambo, uh-huh. cutting a dude in half with a machine gun, uh-huh. and you said something about a like a forty cal forty caliber machine gun. Yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't know exactly um, what it was, but I looked it up. I oh. just I wanted to know for sure what it was. Well, look so, at you, you little sleuth. <laughs> it is a well. Th- there's this really cool website called IMFDB. It's like IMDB except for it's the um um uh, what the hell. Yeah, what is movie? There we go. Internet Movie <laughs> Firearms Database. You can oh. literally go on there and find like any movie and any of the firearms that they use in any movie. Very cool. And they'll give you the history on the firearms, firearms and everything. So, Sly was using a brown a Browning M2 aircraft machine gun to blow that guy to pieces aircraft and it, it's um <laughs> it's 50 cal. Well, it's like anti-aircraft. Yeah, yeah. Not an actual aircraft, but and then a little bit of trivia here. Uh, Sylvester Sloan was originally originally going to wield the Browning M2 by hand. <laughs> I've actually heard this before. Yeah. Uh, the gun the gun was uh, weighing in excess of 120 pounds, and Sly could physically carry and fire it because he's a monster. Uh, but it was so cumbersome and slow that it cut down the action too much. Also, firing blanks he- handheld is possible. Firing live live rounds is another matter. They decided to mount the gun on the back of a truck instead of the um, instead, but the recoil was so immense that it ripped off the truck floor. 
they bolted the, the mount down on the truck frame and that is what is seen in the film yeah it's, so, it's a pretty crazy part we've never so seen imagine he could actually carry it and fire off blanks mm -hmm. but it would rip right off the bottom of a truck so Sly Stallone's muscles are stronger than the bottom of a truck. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. What a beast. Anyway, um, that's that's really all I've got for corrections. Not much. Yep. So I, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this week we're talking about it, it. Is is this theme like mockumentary sort of? Like yeah, we didn't really yeah, discuss it's, it. Yeah, but is that... it's it's yeah. It's essentially a mockumentary. Yeah. yeah. Well, yes. We went with <laughs> I. I we didn't really plan it this way or we weren't really thinking that much about yeah. it, but we realized we talked about two found footage movies last we, week with the just, Creep we, movies. We're just in a mood. Just That's in it. a mood. We're so we went, mood. we went with a couple of mockumentaries. Uh, the first being, uh, what are we going to talk uh, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Still which, which, too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Uh, and Digging Up the Marrow, mm. the Adam Green movie. One of, my, one of my favorite genre efforts to come out I think, in the last few years it yeah. really is i yeah. love this movie so much i really like it a lot too <clears throat> so jay these are even more expensive per beer this week why would it 14.99 oh no or mike, two for 50. mike is so <laughs> two, two <of> a day. <laughs> mike is so balling uh from dogfish head we got liquid truth serum ipa now explain this to me. No, because when you're making a documentary about something, it's typically because you're trying to find the truth about something, trying to expose the truth. That's good. And let's be honest, ain't too many beers named after documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to think a little outside of the box on this one. This is good. I think that lines up nicely, though. Uh, you know, I'm shocked. It's been 89 episodes. We have drank 89 different beers, mm -hmm. and every single one of them has somehow been linked to the movies we're talking about. Now, we don't plan these together. Usually, it's it's day of recording. I'm on my way home from work, and I go, <laughs> fuck, I need a beer. And and I got I to gotta, I gotta hand it to like my local liquor store. They always have a shit ton of stuff, and I'll be damned if I haven't found something for everything yet. Let's just hand it to beer in general. There's so many of you. Round of applause for beer. Yes. Yes, beer. You, you done good. You done good, kid. Beer, you deserve like a lifetime achievement award. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> from Dogfish Head, uh, Liquid Truth Serum IPA. We've been experimenting with tradition bucking hop schedules for years, and now we've liberated a new truth by exclusively adding every single hop to this IPA after the boil is complete. Uh, this says, myth, IBUs, which is hop bitterness, can only be achieved in the boil. Truth. Three different hop additions added in added in after Whirlpool make this beer truthfully hoppy without being deceptively bitter. I like it. Uh, now I feel like this has got it's got a really cool label, and the the packaging is really cool. And I, I feel like I should give the the artist his propers here. So on mm -hmm. the bottom it says our good friend Mark Spusta, Spusta, um, is our featured artist in our 2018 off-centered art series. He lives and works in a mossy coastal town south of San Francisco where he dreams up weird characters and scenes on the daily. When he's not working with us, you'll find him daydreaming in his home studio or at the drawing table creating highly coveted concert posters and artwork. So if you want to check him out, his name is Mark Spusta, M-A-R-Q-S-P-U-S-T-A. Go check him out. And that's it. What was the name of your, uh, of your character you used to have on the show? That, uh, um, what was his name? Which one? Uh, it was it was your little guy. He was he's off. He's been off on uh, 
fake A for Oh, a while. Salisbury Joe. Yeah, this guy kind of looks like he could be Salisbury Joe. Oh, like that, he, he, that that's a pretty good representation of him. Just kind of like an old vaudevillian sort of. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, I think that's him. Well, look at that. Salisbury Joe makes his return. Maybe. <laughs> um, do you have uh, your bottle opener over there? Yeah. Didn't you just? Oh. No, I popped him, but I need one for mine too. What's this, Amachawa? That's Amachawa over here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Pop that and uh, cheers it. Let's give this a little taste. I taste both the dog and the fish head. See, I taste dog and fish and head. I don't necessarily know that it's fish head, though. But it's it's good. There's a lot of hops in that, man. See, it's, yeah. uh, it's pretty intense flavor profile. Um, I sounded like a I'm, douchebag when I'm, I said all that. All I'm tasting is I had sex with your mom. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> the, the truth serum is taking its effect. I didn't mean your dad. Oh, oh. No, I don't like doing this show. <laughs> Mike's haircut looks stupid. Oh, God. Your dad was better. <laughs> Jay has no truth because he always tells the truth no matter what. I could never tell a lie. <laughs> I broke out Honest Abe the other day. You what? You did? For what? Did you really? Yeah. I uh, We're getting up in the morning, and uh, Sarah was making her coffee, and I was like, you know what? This feels like a good day for Abe to make his appearance. And so I just came out and uh, so dressed we, as Abe. So we go camping every year. Uh, we do what we call the campion champ out. And... Uh, and and Jay, was it the very first year that you started doing it? Yes, first year. So we were waiting for you guys. We stopped this little hole in the wall store where they got knickknacks and costumes and and things like that. And there wasn't classified as an Abe Lincoln or slash Amish person's head. <laughs> it was it was the beard attached to the tall hat. <laughs> and, and that was it. And ever since ever since that day, we've been uh, well. Jay in particular has been donning. The Abe Lincoln hat <laughs> on our camp Second trips. Saturday mornings, you guys would be up. I'd be waking up late hungover and come out and start chopping wood first thing in the morning. There was the because, one... Because that's what you want to do when you're stu- stupid hungover and wield an axe. <laughs> and start chopping wood. There, there was the one year when we when you busted it out the, the, like the first day we got there. And then we were lofting beer cans in the air to him. And, and he was, was chopping, on, chopping the them out of the mouth. air. And then I threw the axe up and caught it backwards. And that's how I cut my hand. Oh yeah, that's yeah, right. I did. I about it was that. a good day, man. Good oh, day. Oh, good times. Like good a, times. Like a PSA for. <laughs> it's a PSA for, for having a for, good time. For for not throwing axes in the air at yourself. <laughs> nah, throw them. Just see what happens. All right. Anyway, that's what we're drinking. That's what we're talking about. Why don't we get into the bleed? <laughs> This is your uh, this is your bleed feed. Um, a couple deaths this week. Mm. A couple uh, big couple, one, big couple, one too. Not so good things. Yeah. Uh, we lost Margot Kidder. Damn. Yep. Damn. 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 Yep. Bummer. Um. Yeah. I mean, what do you say about it? that? She was what sixty nine years old. Still a babe. Still a babe. Still a babe. Um, Margot, Margot Kidder, who is probably best known for 
Lois Lane in uh, Superman, yeah. the Superman movies with Chris Reeves. Lois but, uh, Lane, but if you're a horror fan, you'd also know her from Black Christmas. Amityville and, Horror. Yep. She was in, uh, she also did uh, an episode or two of Tales from the Crypt. She was in Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 for uh, a small bit. Mm-hmm. So uh, she definitely made her rounds. She's very beloved by the horror community. Uh, like you said, 69 years old. Uh, no cause of death. It said, the thing that I read said she went to bed and died peacefully in her sleep. So Fair I don't enough. know if she was. I mean, if you're going to go. Yeah, well, yeah. That's how I'd want to go. I don't know if she was uh, fighting some kind of chronic illness or something like that, but, yeah. I mean, that seems pretty young to just fall asleep and die in your sleep, but yeah, uh, Is, it uh, happens, and that sucks. Yeah, it does. It sucks, but like I said, if you're going to go, it's probably the best way to go. Right. If you could choose your own death, how would you go? Uh, I would be riding a buffalo whilst <laughs> having sex, firing two AR-15s into the air. With with Justin's Abe Lincoln hat on and yelling freedom. That's how I want to go. Holy shit. How do you top that? You can't. Okay, the only way I can top it is I'd be sitting sidecar watch, <laughs> watching it happen. We've, we've affixed a, a, like a smaller cloned buffalo to the side of the bigger buffalo. It's not even, it's not even a buffalo. It's, it's just like a little like like pony. It's just like, it's just like one of those, those shitty carnival ponies that you make your kids ride. <laughs> See, and what and, I would do... And Jay's doing a drum fill in the background no, with, an, with an exploding no, drum kit. No, I would get no. thrown into a wood chipper, though, because let's be honest, wood chipper deaths, always the best. Yeah, those are always super always funny. Always the best. So... I would be out front cutting my grass, and you guys would be coming down the street, and I'd just go, "Holy shit, that was weird!" <laughs> and that's it. And, and that's then, how and you then, died. And then I would. I just dead. Well, that was weird. I can die happy now. <laughs> Pull out his punch guard, punch it in the uh, big clock upstairs. <laughs> I have done my work. Um, another death this week, um, which this one, this one really hurts, really, really hurts. Rest in peace to. Fox's The Exorcist. Oh, no. Oh. I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> easily my favorite show on television. My favorite horror show. Really? Hands, easily my favorite show. Mm. So good. I And I know that the thing, the thing is this. The people at Fox loved it, too, which is why they gave it a second season. It had the lowest ratings, I think, of any show after the first season. They still renewed it because they believed in it because they loved the show so much. So did it just continue with low ratings? It, just, it did terribly. Yeah. People did not watch it for some strange reason, and it really, really bothers me. And uh, when asked about um, the uh, what the potential third season would have been, because it kind of ended on a on a little bit of a cliffhanger where it, it separates the two main characters and they're going to go off and do their own things yeah. and this and that. Um, so it ended decently, I guess. But um, you know, they talk about the idea of doing a memento style season filled with puzzles and mysteries felt like a nice change of pace from a creative standpoint. That would have been really cool. It's like The Exorcist mixed with like. Da Vinci Code stuff, like that's what or, it sounds like to me. Or it's mixed like, with Memento. Yeah, well, well, <laughs> well no, they were gonna do a, a backwards story where you got the ending first. Is what it sounded like because there's more to the article. Oh, so like, so they were gonna start with the climax, work backwards, like irreversible. Yeah, like I, maybe I haven't seen it. The movie's messed up. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it sounds awesome. I'm super bummed. Um, it sounds like there's like a twinge of hope that maybe somebody else will pick it up. Like there's nothing on the table necessarily, but they're kind of hoping for a Hail Mary, but until that happens, it's shit canned. Well, luckily, we live in a we live in the time of Netflix and Hulu, so there's always a chance, you know. Yep. Which I think I said before. Or, or I would, Stars or whatever the hell. It's I would like, love to see, well, if Stars just canned Ash versus Evil Dead, I don't think they're going to oh, pick yeah, up The Exorcist. But, um, but if Netflix did, though, like, I, I think I said this 
uh, when the first season was in peril, I would love to see Netflix pick the show up because they could do so much more with it. Netflix. Way more adult themes, way more, you know, just like truly scary, more R-rated type stuff. Right. You know? They seem like they just, I mean, because like they, they're churning out uh, original content like nonstop. It they seems like Netflix they just, money, yeah, baby. I was going to say, they just have like <laughs> like a, like an unending amount of uh they kind of do right now they kind of do yeah um okay let's uh moving on here um the puppet master of the littlest reich the mm -hmm. new uh remake of the puppet master uh will be coming out october or august 17th and it will be released in theaters unrated which is not something that you see very often that's nice though. um they're doing it unrated and uh co-producer amanda uh, presmick has said we're confident that we have one of the top three kill scenes in the past 15 20 years <laughs> nice who knows what that means? That's a that's even if they don't have a single kill in the movie, that's good promotion. Like that's good. <laughs> like just say that people are gonna want to go and see that. You know. So, could you imagine if they did that? There's just if they promote it like that, and there's just not a single kill scene. <laughs> just dude has a heart attack in the end or something. It's, like something totally it's literally normal. just puppets dancing around the whole time, and then and then the guy keels over at the end. Um, let's see here. Moving on. Uh, Zombieland Two is aiming for an October 2019 release date uh, with all the original film coming back. That's finally moving forward. I like that. Um, and uh, they're doing it at that next year is the 10th anniversary of the first film. Wow, and 10 so, years so, already? So they basically go, what can we give the fans for a 10th anniversary gift? How about Zombieland 2? Jeez Louise, so, I can't believe it's been 10 years already. Yeah. That's crazy. It's kinda cool. It'd be kind of cool to see what's happening in that universe 10 years later, though. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so cool, good stuff. Yep. Um, and this is honest to God, my last piece of news. So before I get to it, let's get to some Blu-ray releases. <laughs> <laughs> you found your intro. The blues with Jew. Uh, <laughs> Sacre blue. All right. Uh, a movie called The Endless will be hitting digital Blu-ray and DVD on June 26th via WellGo USA. Uh, following the following their Lovecraftian modern cult classic Spring, acclaimed filmmakers Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson return with this mind-bending thriller that follows two brothers who receive a cryptic video message inspiring them to revisit the UFO death cult they escaped a decade earlier. Dang, UFO death cult. I would totally be part of a UFO Fuck death yes. cult. Um I guess it'd be like uh, like Hail Bob, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I um, lost my spot. Hoping to find the closure that they couldn't as young men, they're forced to reconsider the cult's beliefs when confronted with an unexplainable phenomena surrounding the camp. As the members prepare for the coming of a mysterious event, the brothers race to unravel the seemingly impossible truth before their lives become permanently entangled with the cult. The Endless received high praise on the festival circuit and stars directors Benson and Moorhead as the uh, aforementioned brothers mm -hmm. in the film. Also, um, last one here, not too many. Uh, Tony Todd teased a possible 4K release of Candyman, the Candyman Blu-ray. Very cool. Uh, which is kind of crazy that we don't already have a Candyman Blu-ray. Candyman's weird. Candyman is it's it's one of those names that is definitely in the pop culture Rolodex, mm -hmm. uh, very well known. Yet that movie never really garnered the success that other franchises did. Like there's two, there excuse me, there were two sequels. Neither one of them are really all that well known. Well, uh, the the original movie is kind of a cult classic. This it's or, yeah, not, I was going to say not this... like Friday the Thirteenth or Nightmare on Elm Street or or even Evil Dead or something like that. Like it, it well, was more of a, a niche disre movie. Disregarding the sequels, like, the 
the original is in the horror community at least it's highly regarded as one of the, the best horror movies. horror community how often do companies outside of like shout factor or something like that they'll really give a shit about the horror community but think about <laughs> think about all the obscure shit that i talk about week to week that's coming out on blu-ray i know candy man Candyman? You're not going to... I don't know. I, so a, um, There could be a rights thing, too. So basically what this tease was, there was a uh, there was somebody on Twitter who goes by at Grenade O'Connor. <laughs> Grenade <laughs> O'Connor. That's a good name. <laughs> That's really good. I didn't, I didn't even think about it until I just read it out loud. Uh, he said, uh, was super psyched to watch Candyman starring the great Tony Todd, among others, on Amazon. Was going to buy it and all that. Says it is unavailable. I started pacing like like crazy. Amazing horror thriller mindscape of a film. I'll get my paws on it someday. And then Tony Todd actually replied to him and said, Wait for the new 4K restoration of Candyman with off-screen commentary with Bernard J.M. Rose coming soon. Okay. So, I mean, I, I don't think he would talk about it unless it was a real thing. So That's true. It, um, is, it is a tease, but it seems like it's pretty legit. Uh, if Grenade O'Connor is out there listening... There's about a thousand copies of it on eBay, so you can you can get it. In on Blu-ray, on both. On Blu-ray, uh, it's Blu-ray. Oh, that's region two. Yeah, we don't. We, okay, yeah, I guess I should specify yep. they've had it on Blu-ray in other parts of the the world. Yeah, we've just never had a a, a region one uh, release on Blu-ray, yep. which gonna, is silly. I'm, I'm curious. I'm gonna check. He, he claims that it's out of print. I'm curious to check uh, Amazon right now. Who claims it's out of print? Well, that guy said he couldn't find it. It was it was out of stock everywhere. I'm just curious if you could have gone to Amazon and gotten it. That's all. Uh, DVD, five bucks, guy. <laughs> hey, this is probably a guy who wants it on Blu-ray, man. Come on, guy. <laughs> hey, come on, guy. Hey, come on, fella. Multi-format, okay. 12.03. <laughs> <laughs> He's waiting for the Blu-ray, Michael. Fuck this guy, so, I'm saying. It, well, no. Hey, Grenade O'Connor, if you're listening, not fuck you. Uh, Grenade O'Connor, you, you are the bomb. Yeah, you... <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's all i've got for blues um yeah super short news week this week just wait hold on let me take you out oh sorry <laughs> thank you sir yep. um yeah this week was there's a, a film festival going on this week it was at cans I mean, it was cans this week can so a lot of or can there's no s on it you uncultured swine i'm american okay <laughs> um so uh yeah cans was going on and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of the news was about movie pickups, you know, from the festival and this sure. and that. So, so kind of a slower news week in the in uh, otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing that uh, we might have talked about this before, it escapes me if we did or not. But have we talked about how James Wan was producing a new reboot series for Resident Evil? Have we touched on that before? Because I, this was because like that was news to me to begin with today. But now I'm thinking about it. And I think we might have talked. I feel about like it. we probably have at some point. Yeah. Well, uh, this is kind of cool. Uh, they they're saying now that as that moves for that project moves forward, mm -hmm. it's very possible that that project could end up as a TV series. Mm. And I started thinking about it. A Resident Evil TV series could be really fucking cool. Yeah. Like really cool, especially after we've just gotten like over a decade's worth of Resident Evil movies. Maybe it's not the right time for another movie series, you know. But at the same time, you're talking about. I'm granted, it's it's a very different kind of uh, zombie we're yeah. talking about, but it's still it's another zombie show. You already have but, The Walking Dead and uh, uh, Z Nation and whatever the hell else is out there yeah, right now. Those all suck. That's the that's <laughs> Fear of the Walking. They all suck. I'm sorry. They're terrible. Isn't Fear Fear the Walking Fear the Walking Dead? Isn't that just where they're 
Is that a completely separate oh, yeah. series? Oh, yeah. Oh, what's There's... the one where they're... Oh, to- uh, The Talking Dead. Well, is talking, that, is yeah, that where talking they, Dead is okay, where they yeah. just talk about. I thought the Fear the Walking Dead, Dead was that no. for some reason. So Fear the Walking Dead is a completely like a separate prequel. zombie. It's a prequel series that is going on congruently with the other. I, right on. I, I should. I should probably catch it's up a cash on this grab. Stuff. Is what I don't it know. Is. That's what it is. Yeah. But um, anyway, though, I don't know. I'm actually gotten down for it. I think. They could, I think they did it well. I think they could be really, really cool. Yeah. Because that's a completely different type of mythology behind. You know, it's more sci-fi right. than it is like zombie horror, yeah, or drama horror, or whatever you want to call it. Hell, Walking Dead barely even has zombies in it. Anymore. Drama horror? Would that be drawer? Drawer. Drawer. Horma. <laughs> shawarma. Oh no! Oh, I can go for some shawarma. No. Oh, I forgot about that. You forgot for about the, shawarma? No, for the news today. <laughs> what? Uh, Jay was rearing me earlier. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh. <laughs> Pardon? What the hell are you talking about? I, I don't know what he's talking We're just about either. Leave it at that. What are you talking about? <laughs> he was c- c- mixing some words like that, and uh, something came up rear. So apparently, I was rearing him. So. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he wishes things, but it made sense at the time. I swear. Okay. All right. Boom. That was the news. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're <laughs> way, way to do in jokes that not even everybody in this room knows what they are, let alone. Are dozens of listeners across the globe. <laughs> I'm fucking dying right now. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> All right, hold on, hold on, wait. Yeah, we're gonna take a little break so that Mike can compose himself from his stupid joke, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about some mockumentaries. Throughout this, you'll see faces ripped apart with hooks, a man slashing himself into a bloody pulp, and graphic, macabre, torturous images that defy description. What, uh, what, what you could not hear off mic just now was Jay's amazing rendition of The Saints Come Marching In <laughs> on the harmonica. On the harmonica. Amazing. Mm, Jay, I didn't know shoots. you had it in you. See, I, I, I do I, a little bit of everything. I didn't know. <laughs> this, this harkens back to when uh, your old your old news intros where you used to use <laughs> everything, including the kitchen sink, to like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used to be a harmonicist. Harmonicist. You know the he, best part. Uh, of, you know the best part about that. He apprenticed is? under John Popper for two days. It starts with a harmonica and ends with a kiss. Well, ends with a kissed. St- kissed. It's like a kiss with an STD. In the Shut end up. Of it. All right. So <laughs> today we're talking about. Uh, behind the mask. Well, first we're talking about behind the mask: the rise of Leslie Vernon. Yes. Um, uh, this is a movie we have a little bit of a history with. Yeah. Uh, we're still a little hurt in the butt. Yeah, super hurt in the butt. Um, I actually say you're in, even butt hurt. Butt hurt about it. <sighs> I actually I did like when I put the I, I, I so I watched this earlier today, and for the first five minutes I I was like. I was like, oh, this would have been so would have been so cool. <laughs> so the the backstory there, in case you weren't a listener at the time, is uh, we set up a screening for the tenth anniversary uh, through um, Gather. 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 Yep. Thank you, Jay. Uh, we set up a screening through Gather, which coincidentally is actually Scott Glosserman's company, and Scott Glosser- Glosserman is the director of this movie. Yep. So we set up this screening, 
and we, we had to sell enough tickets to tip the screening and we ended up selling enough tickets right at the 11th hour and then they sent us a message like after they had already confirmed that we had tipped the screening they sent us a message like right after that said oh it's been canceled yeah so we've been a little bit butthurt from yep. from it ever we, since we really put in the ex went, went the extra mile to make sure that it, it got right the extra five miles to make <laughs> sure that it got uh tipped and uh some shit happened yeah. so it was a bummer it would have been a lot of fun to see it in the theater on the big screen and Maybe someday. We can hope. Yep. I don't know. That but being anyway, said, that you, being said, we still love the movie. I, I adore this movie. Yeah. It's, I saw this movie. Um, do you ever have uh, certain films that you kind of group together for a reason that only really makes sense to you? Yeah. Uh, this movie was like the brother-sister movie to uh, the original Hatchet, which was uh, which is ironic considering that our other movie we're talking about tonight is an Adam Green movie. Yeah. Um, now, granted, it's, it makes a little bit more sense because they were both uh, during the doing the festival tours at the same time. Yeah. So they played at a lot of the same places. They uh, uh, Green and Glossman met because of their movies being at the, a lot of the same festivals and this and that. So it makes sense. But this movie and Hatchet, though, were like those first two modern slasher movies that kind of jump-started, like, at least my version of that new era of yeah. like, new slasher movies. Yeah, I can I can get down with that. It it also takes me back to the days of living uh, at the Harbors Apartments, which yep. we we used to live there with our, Is that what our the first buddy. time you saw it. Uh, well, yeah, it was the first time you saw it too. Did we we watched? Did you see it together for the first time? We watched this that. together for the first time. Actually, we were over at Aaron's apartment when we watched this for the first time. Oh shit, I don't even remember that. And uh, so we watched this and uh, and Hatchet around the same time. But that was those were the days we we lived in this. There's this there's this uh, apartment complex where literally like if you if you ask anyone in Mid Michigan if they know what the harbors is, they're yep. like oh they either say oh yeah I used to live there oh yeah I used to party there <laughs> like there's 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 people who fall in one of two camps who either used to live there or used to party there yep. all the time and so it definitely takes me back to those yep. days. I uh, I wish that it was still. Um... I wish that it was still a viable place to live because I loved that place. Why is it not viable? Uh, the, the the people got unsavory, and by unsavory I mean like we got older and they were all young still. You know what I'm saying? Like partiers, like they, those, everybody that those damn <laughs> we young. get we get older and they all stay the same. Those damn youngsters wouldn't stay <laughs> off my lawn. Well, no, like toward the end of me yeah. and Aaron living there, there was like I was. That's what I'm talking about. I was living up in Bad X working for my dad at the time and. Uh, my wife had some like crazy drunk guy come and start pounding on our yeah. door trying to get in our in our apartment thing it was like his that. like i'm sure the guy was harmless but it's still the idea it's of that is not that's yeah. it's, it's pretty screwed up and there is know, a there's actually it's kind of split up into two different areas though because there's the uh the older units and mm -hmm. then have you seen some of the newer ones no i've been back those are really nice we actually went up there one night when, when uh so it was me it was, it was me, our friend Andy, and our friend Kelly, mm -hmm. and we uh, we were drinking. I will admit, we were drinking a little bit, and it That's was kind of what we do there. <laughs> it was when the new units were still under construction, and they were, you know, these are these are three story buildings, and we went and we climbed up into the top of one of the new units. Was it you? I was there. Oh, you were? <laughs> yes. Oh, so it was me, you, Kelly, and Andy. I was, and we, I was and there. And we climbed up into the yeah. to the like. Yeah, the the attic of one of the new units. We went up on well, the roof. Well, we it was the clubhouse. It was the clubhouse, wasn't it? Not the not one of the units. No, it was the new units. Okay, 
I have a picture. We did, I have a picture we did of it, walk around the clubhouse when they were building the clubhouse a lot too. We also but. broke into their pool. Yes, we it was, did. It was right, it was right <laughs> toward the end of our our stay there. We're like. They can't do anything to us, so we we broke into their yep. brand new pool. We sure did. So I was like, this place has given me enough shit. I'm going to break into their new pool. And we, and went, we swam. Yeah, and we had a damn good time. Very good time. <laughs> anyway, so so <laughs> that's uh, that's our history, and that's the show. See ya. Have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Behind the Mask, uh, it's from 2006, like we said, directed by Scott Glosserman. Um, this movie is a uh, it's a half half document or half documentary docu mockumentary uh, half slasher movie. Yeah, and it's brilliantly made. Yeah, absolutely brilliantly made. Uh, rewatching it uh, today, actually, is when I watched it. Um, I was reminded as to why I loved it so much mm-hmm. the first few times I saw it, because um, it's it's been a few years, and uh, it holds up. Everything is still as good as it was then, still is today. Yeah. Um, you have uh, Nathan Basile who plays uh, Leslie Varnum, the title character. It's like probably Basil. Basil. I. It's yeah. It's one of those weirdly spelled. Bay, cell, cell <laughs> bay. That's really not weird at all. Uh, uh, <laughs> Angela Gothels, who I recognize her most from Home Alone. She was oh, one of the cousins in Home Alone. No shit, really. And she, she was also in Jerry Maguire. She was the uh, like okay. the, the figure. The, I think she was a figure skater in Jerry Maguire. Okay. Just one of one of Jerry's uh, one of Jerry's uh, um, clients who blew him off. Okay, for Bob Sugar. Not this, not the sidebar. <clears throat> Go ahead and but sidebar. You know, my, you know what my, my, my favorite thing to do with movies is? Is um, to recast them. Jerk off to them, yeah. For these two characters, who do you think? See how good you are. Uh, who do you think that I would choose? Because I had, it's the second that I started watching this movie, they reminded me of other people. My guess is for Nathan Basil, you would say Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> I don't know. No. It just seems like a go-to for you. No. Uh... I don't, I don't. Although he would be good in it, I don't think I have anybody. I don't. He reminds me the very first time you see him. He's got that real awkward, kind of weird like presence to him, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I could totally see Neil Patrick Harris <laughs> sort of playing that role. Oh, I could because he's that. kind of goofy yet serious at the same time, but it's like weird, really serious. personable like, though too. I could see that. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, for the other for uh, uh, Angela uh, Gothels, uh, she plays Taylor Gentry. Uh, Sherry O'Terry, but younger Sherry O'Terry, oh, no. younger, yeah, absolutely. I, just, I don't see that. Oh one. man, I totally see it. <laughs> I don't know. You're talking about a a 60 year old woman at this point. Well, no, I, that's what I'm saying. Younger though, like like when she first usually, started off. In, usually, like, when you talk about recasting a film, you're talking about like this, like these days, younger it's actors. Fantasy casting. Are, Come on, you can you can pick whoever you want. You're you're. I always, could have said I could have said Marilyn Monroe for all I care. You're always at home just fantasy casting and <laughs> I can't say what I was about to say. Gently stroking your whoa! You just had a bottle halfway down your throat. That was impressive. Anyway, uh, we we didn't even say what this movie is about. Like only halfway, Mike. It's a good thing this wasn't a video. Disappointed. Uh, so we didn't say what this movie is about. I thought that you were gonna get to the synopsis, and you just never did because nope, you were sure horrible at this. Uh, the next great psycho horror slasher has given a documentary crew exclusive access to his life as he plans his reign of terror over the sleepy town of Glen Echo. Uh, that that horror slasher being Leslie Vernon, played by Nathan, yep. ba- Nathan Basil. Uh, also in the movie, besides Nathan Basil and Angela Gothels, you have Zelda Rubenstein. Mm-hmm. 
The uh, incomparable legend. Zelda ruled instead. Uh, Robert England, mm-hmm. legend. Uh, Scott Wilson, who you would know from, and we were talking about The Walking Dead earlier. Yeah. So yep. if Walking Dead people are listening, you would know him from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'd, anybody else really notable? No, no, that's that's pretty much everybody big. Um, oh, uh, Kane Hodder has a cameo oh, yeah. in the very beginning. Yep, yep. <laughs> Which is fun. He's at the Elm Street house as like one of the neighbors. Yeah, it's, it's it's super awkward too. Like it's a weird scene, but it's not weird. It's it's cool. No, his like acting is awkward though. It's like it's like it's so it's kind of forced. Well, Kane Hodder is uh, Kane Hodder's best when not speaking. In roles, like he like he's very good with body language. Yeah. Not the best actor <laughs> in the world though. <laughs> but uh, what's kind of cool about this is. Um, this movie is sort of a. I'm. I'm going to use this 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 term for both movies that we talk about tonight mm-hmm. in different ways. This movie is a love letter to the slasher, the classic slasher, ten percent. And so it's got a lot of little Easter eggs in it, like. Um, and 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 what's what differs about these two uh, two movies that we're talking about tonight is, this movie exists within the world of. Like within the universe of slashers. Yes. Like in this movie, Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, Charles Lee Ray. All of them. They all exist. They're all like like, uh, like Chucky, by the way. Chucky. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. Um. Who am I missing? Jason, uh, Jason, Jason Voorhees. Voorhees. These are all real people. Like like we have Dahmer, Gacy. Right. Like we have all those guys. And in, in this They've world, got these people. They have these people. Right. It's real. Yeah. So in the beginning of the movie, they're they're kind of talking about. Uh, Michael Myers and Jason and and they're going to these different locations and they go to what is it the Elm Street house? Yep. They go to the Elm Street house and Kane Hodder who played Jason is standing on the porch of the the Elm Street house and they ask him if they can ask him uh, his, ask him a neighbor. few questions or yep. something about his neighbor and he like he kind of looks at him and brushes him off and, and kind of ha- hightails into the house, uh-huh. which is, it's cool, like a little crossover, sort of a Freddy yeah. vs. Jason which kind Freddy, of thing. Freddy and Jason exist in the same world because of Freddy vs. Jason, so that means yeah. this must absolutely exist too. Well, in my mind, all of these fictional serial killers exist in the same universe. Uh-huh. Like, I agree. You, like, you it's could fun, have a, it's you fun could have to think a, of that way. Yeah, and there's even... And now you, that we know that Jason was a deadite... Evil Dead is stop also it. in. No, uh, stop it! I don't. I don't subscribe <laughs> to that. I can't do it. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, basically, what you have is this uh, documentary crew who are hanging out with this guy Leslie Vernon, and uh, and he's. Kind they're of, basically from like university. It's like this is like their thesis. Yeah, that's what it sounds is what like. it is. Yeah, they're doing a documentary on the newest, the newest slasher would be, uh, in the world. Right. He's talking himself up as the next up-and-comer in the serial killer world which is it's cool like they they it 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 seems like they don't take him completely seriously kind of like last week when we were talking about creep 2 where uh sarah didn't take aaron completely seriously why would you though right in all fairness until you have a reason to why would you take him seriously right so they've got this guy leslie vernon who is telling him all of this stuff that he's staging, all of this stuff that he's putting together to make like this amazing night of carnage, and mm-hmm. and they don't really believe him, so or, they, or or they do, but they're playing along. At they first. go through the motions, thinking that's all going to come to a head at some point, and it's not going to be what he says it is. Right. Um, yeah. So the, the the way the movie is set up is it's basically the beginning of it is all documentary. 
Now there's there's they, they they cut back and forth between real world happenings and the documentary footage. It's almost like you're watching uh, a Jason movie, right? And every time it gets to like a, a kill or something, like some part, like some big part of the movie, they cut to the making of and they intersplice parts of the making of into the movie. Right. That's that's what this movie kind of the first half of this movie reminds me of. Right. And I think it's kind of genius because you're seeing how it's happening in real, quote unquote, real life. Right. But then you see as soon as that scene's over, the killer runs behind the bookshelf and goes, "Oh my god, did you see that? That was so cool!" Like, and it's like two completely different sides to what you're seeing as like the killer. You see the human behind the mask, like yeah. he's he's actually a, like a charismatic. I'd like, be friends with this guy. Yeah, like super. He seems like a super sweet dude. Yeah, he's a super <laughs> likable guy, and uh, and he's nobody just... would bully you or fuck with you ever, right? <laughs> because you would have a a serial killer as your friend. But nobody can know that he's a serial killer because technically speaking, he's dead. He has perpetuated his own self-lore yeah, to where people think he's dead. Right. The mythos is that he was he was killed as a child. Like he was he went crazy as a child and killed his parents. And so the the people of the town literally ran him over the edge of a waterfall and he, you know, fell into the cold pool below and died. Got and picked, turtles. Got picked clean <laughs> by turtles, which is a I love, do, I love turtles. Do, do turtles <laughs> do turtles eat meat? Slash maybe? Huh? From Ninja Turtles, the the oh, from the cartoon geez. or Slash. Toka? Wow. <laughs> um, Come on, James, get up on your TMNT. Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't. I, I thought you were talking about Slash from Guns and Roses. <laughs> yeah, Slash from Guns and Roses. <laughs> He's just <laughs> swimming around the pot. <laughs> just keep the still has the hat on, cigarette <laughs> hanging out of the mouth. Take a shot of Jack Daniels, eat somebody's bicep. Um, uh, so, <laughs> if I ever get a turtle now. Totally naming him Slash. <laughs> I think I, what I really like it. So the beginning of the movie is uh, it comes across as narrative. What you're seeing is mm-hmm. actual like narrative camera work. Yeah, and then it transitions into documentary until about uh, I'd say uh, it's about halfway through. About halfway yeah. through. Is it's it 40, halfway through? Forty-five minute mark. Well, I'd say it's it's probably because the first time that you see the the transition from there's there's a point where they transition from documentary camera work into narrative work, just for a couple minutes. Well, in, so that, in, in the library scene. Yeah, but that, and that's what I was talking about. How it's like you're watching the movie and they splice in the making of. Right. That's kind of what I was talking about. How they they kind of intersplice it for the first half of the movie. Or so I think it's actually more fair the last half an hour of the movie that is more standard slasher. Right. With no with no documentary footage. It's just like oh, the a, end it, of the. It's, it's like they, but it's like they. Ble- you know how sometimes we make a terrible mistake on this show, and and Jay works his magic and crossfades things. I don't know what you're talking about. The whole that you, you can't even tell. No, you can't tell at all. <laughs> the whole movie is like a big crossfade, because they get to the library scene and you start to see some of the actual cinematic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Photography, yes, and yeah, then, it's way way more dramatic and right. more like like yeah, it's a set piece and yeah. But then they cut back to the documentary stuff. But then by the end of the movie, like the last half hour, you were saying, it she she literally says uh, the character of um, what the hell's her name? And it's uh, over. The documentary is over. Right? Taylor, yeah, she says she says uh, yeah yeah whatever the hell. Yeah, it's yeah, over. It's, it's over. The documentary is done. And as soon as she, she says narrates that, the movie, right. 
as soon like as in she real says, time. As it's soon amazing. as she says that line, all of the cameras from the documentary crew cut out, and all of a sudden you're just watching well, cinematic the, photography. The it's two really guys cool. behind the camera suddenly become characters. Right. You see their faces now. Like you they, heard their they're voices. Actual the whole, characters. Right. Yeah. You heard their voices the whole time, but now all of a sudden you see their faces, which is mm-hmm. really cool. There's also another part where um, she narrates it, where they there's like, what's what if there's one thing. That you you think of '80s slasher movie besides the violence and besides like the slasher himself. What's the one thing that is synonymous with '80s slasher movies? Boobs, uh, sex. Yeah. There, and she actually there's a shot of literally just somebody undoing their shirt. She goes, "Isn't this a little bit gratuitous?" <laughs> like she's literally narrating the fact that it's it's boobs for the sake of boobs <laughs> in a slasher movie. And then you hear the and that's in voiceover, and you just hear Leslie say, "I'm telling the story." Yeah, here, you it's, know? it's it's so it's meta. It's oh, very yeah. meta. Like yeah, this whole absolutely. movie, um, and I kind of love it. It's so the whole thing is so tongue in cheek. <laughs> But so clearly a love letter. So it's like you're making fun of it in a way to where it's like, I love this so much, I can call stuff out for it being what it is. It was kind of like they did, <coughs> they did what Scream did mm-hmm. with slashers, with found footage yeah. and slashers. Actually, actually that, that Scream would have been a good, uh, a good pairing up for this too. Because I don't think we've done any of the Scream movies. We, we did Scream Four, but no, we literally did the whole Scream franchise. Oh shit! You're right. <laughs> didn't it's we? been almost two years, guys. Okay. Did, didn't we? Or did, did we not? No, I, I think know. we did. I can't I remember. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we did. We did Scream Four because we talked about uh, the murder mitten. Yeah. Not not important. Stuff. If we didn't do the Scream trilogy, though, we should do that. I think we did. Um. Anyway, yeah, they uh, they do a lot of stuff like that. Like, they, it's weird. Like, usually when movies call call back to other movies or they have easter eggs whatever they do it in a way that kind of takes you out of it um other times not though you have you have movies like uh like Evil dead for example that has the freddy's glove in the in the shed mm-hmm. and it's it's a very cool thing you know like you see it and you're like, oh it's you know they don't they don't pay they don't really they, they gloss over it it's there if you see it if you don't whatever they do a lot of that in this movie a ton more so than i even thought of mm-hmm. um I'm just going to read through here. IMDb uh, has a whole listing of things that took place or whatever and stuff that I didn't honestly even notice. Um, in the uh, They go to see a character named Eugene, which I want to talk about him pretty soon here too. But yeah, right. Eugene is basically Leslie Vernon's mentor. He He's teaching him how to be this uh, perfect killer. He's He is retired, if you will, in the business. So he's an old sl- uh, slasher guy, which is... Those are the best guys to learn from, right? So in uh, in their driveway though is parked the, uh, the the gold Oldsmobile that they use in all the Evil Dead movies. Yeah, it's Sam Raimi's car. It's the exact same car, uh-huh. probably not the same one physically, but same model car. So that's a callback to like Raimi movies. You have uh, at the beginning uh, Taylor standing in front of the uh, Red Rabbit Pub, which is a reference to Doctor Loomis has a matchbook yeah. has Red Rabbit on it. There's um, what else is there? Uh, there's a Lamont configuration inside Eugene's house. Lament. Sit, or Lament, sorry. I always, <laughs> I always say Lamont. I don't know why. Uh, sitting on like a bookshelf in the back or a table or something like that in the back of uh, Eugene's house. Mm-hmm. There's girls doing uh, playing jump rope at the university in reference to Nightmare on Elm Nightmare, Street. Yeah. There's um, Man- uh, Mancuso. They say that his name was not actually Leslie Vernon. His real name's Leslie Mancuso because he's an escaped mental patient. Halloween. Mm-hmm. Mancuso, though, is also the name of Frank Mancuso, who was the producer of Friday the 13th. Like, mm-hmm. there's so many things that you just wouldn't know because they hide it well. But, like, this movie is, like we said, it's a straight 
love letter to slasher movies. I'd say too, uh, um, Doc Halloran. Yep. Halloran is a is a reference to The Shining. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was there was another thing that I was thinking too. The fact that you just brought up Frank, Frank Mancuso, I think that the naming like naming a, a new slasher icon is kind of an art form. Like you Absolutely, ha- it's got like, to pop, yeah. You have to, like, it has to be right, because as soon as they, like, Leslie Vernon, for some reason, sounds really good as a, as a, as a, um, a slasher name. It, it, it rolls off the tongue. It's but very... as soon as, as soon as Doc Halloran, played by uh, Robert England, tells her, uh, I think he's, at this point he's telling Taylor this, he's not who you think she, who you think he is. His name is uh, Leslie Mancuso. It takes all the spark out of it. Yeah. Well, Leslie Leslie Mancuso. It just sounds like a dude, you know. But it's, for it's some... all about, it's all about the syllables. Every major slasher, I'm pretty sure, it's two syllables: Myers, Voorhees, Kruger, Vernon. They're all two syllables. Oh yeah. Man, Mancuso is same three. With, same Crow- with the first Crowley. things too. Crowley. Yeah. And, and the Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers. There you go. That's it. That, yeah. I, I think I just cracked. It's got a Chucky. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but but it's Chucky. still it's still two syllables yeah. like Chucky, Cropsy. Yep. You know, so it's got a it it has to it's got a flow. I just cracked I just cracked the serial killer code. You did it right here. You did it, man. Time to make a movie. <laughs> you, you can you can just die now. <laughs> you've you've accomplished your life's Michael work. Heckman. Well, see ya. Michael Heckman. Oh, Michael shit. <gasps> Michael Heckman. Yeah, but it doesn't flow off the tongue though. Hackman, it's, Hackman. there's too many harsh well, syllables. It, it, it would work because you would like stab a guy. But what the heck, man? <laughs> Justin Rogers. Oh. Ooh. Don't touch my mic like that Sorry. again. Jeez, why the fuck? Okay. Stop it. I tried to stop it from. But... James Baird. Yeah, I don't. I don't <laughs> it know doesn't work. Go. No, mine's just like a James Baird. No, no, it's it's James Baird. Mine's mine's like something that you say when you sneeze, like James <laughs> Baird. <laughs> like I'm just—I don't have a good name. I, so, do you, are you just figuring that out? No, I've—I've I've known this for a long time. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Um, anyway, yeah, there, there's like, like we were saying though, like, there's a lot of stuff hidden in this movie. But if you're a horror fan though, like I said, it's—it's it's just kind of a—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's the perfect movie. Like it's a perfect co- like, horror comedy. You know, it, it hits every single mark and it and it doesn't disappoint ever. Um, the, uh, when, when it turns into a slasher movie at the very end, it's excellently done. You know, it feels like a slasher movie. Yeah. It really, really does. And I really, I love the fact that, uh, they continue. So it, it transitions into just sort of a normal slasher movie, but at the same time, the documentary crew, even though they're a part of it now, they're still, they're still running with the information that they know about his tactics which which so they kind of they can kind of call out what he's trying to do but at the which backfires at the same time he's kind of been playing them the whole time so even though they know even though they think they know what's going on he has ways of adapting uh to make everything work out in his favor it's kind of genius because the entire movie is to explain how he has the upper hand over the victims and literally the entire movie he has the upper hand over the victims, right. like without you even knowing it. There's kind of some layers to it, and it's it's really well done. Yeah. Um, I, I another thing that I really really love, and I want to get, and I, and I said I was gonna get back to this, and I don't want to forget, is the character of Eugene. So they go and they meet this old dude in the uh, 
uh, back sort of in the backwoods or whatever. Him, it's like this 60-year-old, like, It's his neighbor. He, him and his wife live, yeah. like, right down the street from him. And it's this guy named Eugene. Now, when I was, when I first saw this movie, I always thought to myself, this Eugene guy has to be something, right? There's way too many things in this movie for him not to be someone. And I'm like, was there ever a Eugene in old slasher movies? And I thought there was, but I couldn't think of anything. Like, I couldn't, like, even like a, a one-off movie somewhere, I couldn't place the name Eugene. Mm-hmm. And so I looked up online, and what I found was extremely interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, according to Scott Glosterman and the guy that wrote the movie, I can't, his, his name escapes me right David now. David J. Steve. Is that his name? Yeah. David Steve. Two first names. It might be Steve. It's S-T-I-E-V-E, so it might be Steve. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not gonna. Um, they, they though, in their minds, he is Billy from Black Christmas, right? Which makes perfect sense because yep. in the movie, in the movie, he goes, he did most of his work in the '60s and the '70s. Right. He talks about how you know back in the day they didn't have a lot of the stuff. It was quantity over quality. Like they would just go out and get as many guys as they could. He, and he, and he says, you go in and you hit one place once. And, and then you, you hightail it out, it out yep. and you never think about returning. Yep. And then and then he talks about how after him, which is like, so in the 70s, you had movies like Black Christmas and whatever. Right. And after him in the 80s, you had Fred and Jay and Michael and all these guys that upped the game like crazy. And that that era of slasher films changed the entire horror game. Right. And so you think about they this. Tur- like, they turned it into an art Oh, my God. Like, form. This is amazing. He's literally being mentored by Billy from Black Christmas. Like, right. holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes the movie so much better when you know that. Um, it's just way more enjoyable. Like I said, if you're a horror fan and you and you follow these movies and they're your bread and butter, it's like, oh, my God, fucking awesome, you know? And to that, to that same point, like, uh, because he's saying that, you know, back in the day... We just we used what we had at our disposal. We went in, we did our kills, we got out. That was it. I really love uh, because because he's right. Like like uh, Jason and Michael and Freddie turned it into an art form. Mm-hmm. And but the way they the way they explain how it's an art form in this movie, how they give you like a peek behind the scenes, is so cool because they the documentary crew follows Leslie around as he's staging the house. Yeah. Like he's, he's got the house. He's got the group of kids that he's been targeting. And now it's time for him to go into the house. And he does things like, uh, he, he goes around the house and finds every single exit in the house or on the first floor that he can find. And like windows, he nails shut. Yep. And sabotages uh, the axes and stuff. Yeah. Like he, uh, he saws the branches, that are close to the upper, like the upper level windows, uh-huh. so that if somebody tries to go out on one of the branches, the branch will just break and they'll fall. Uh-huh. He goes into the tool shed, like Mike just said, and he loosens the head on the sledgehammer. He uh, makes a cut on the axe so that if it lands one good blow, it'll just break off. And like I just, I, I like, I like the idea. It, it's kind of like when a magician shows you. How he scenes, how yep. he did his trick, to me, I've always really liked that. Like I like I like being wowed by the trick first, mm-hmm. and being like, oh shit, how did you do that? But I also have always liked I always like knowing how I've do always it. liked knowing how people do that, and so that's kind of what this is. It's like showing how all of these slasher guys, like maybe Jason is not supernatural, maybe Freddy's not supernatural, and and Mike they're not supernatural. 
they actually are just really good at what they do and they know how to stage their kill zones properly, uh -huh. which is, it's kind of a funny, like, fun way to look at it, you know? Yeah, I, I love it. Like I say, it's, it's very much, it's very, it very much takes the sting out of it a little it takes bit. Takes the mystique out of it a little bit. But then it's funny because you see how he's doing all this, and when the movie switches from documentary to slasher movie, you're still just as engrossed. Right. It's almost still, more it's still, so because you know the stuff now. It you still know? feels like, supernatural in a way because mm -hmm. he's able to do it, but even like though when he's he shows already up, it. When he shows up on one side of the room, and then you run for a little bit, and then he's on the other side, and he's like, do you know how much cardio I have to do to make it look like I'm walking? And then run? <laughs> Let me ask you about this, because I I have a scene in my head, and I'm pretty sure I've seen this before. So they open up on one of the scenes in this movie, probably the second time that they go to meet Leslie. Okay. And he's he's punching a heavy bag. Huh? And he stops, and he delivers that bit right there where he says, Do you have any any idea how much cardio I have to do? Like, you got you to gotta do the whole thing where they're running, and they turn around, and it looks like you're walking, but you got to keep up with them. And there's a scene, I swear to God, I've seen this scene where she actually demonstrates that. Or he demonstrates it for Taylor at one point in time, where she's running through the apple orchard, and he's sprinting behind her, but every time she turns to look at him, he stops and starts walking. That's like a... That's like, um... Was that like a behind-the-scenes kind of thing? Or like no, a gag reel no, kind of thing? No, no, no. That's from like a, an actual like like scary movie or something no, like no, that. No, no, that's from... No, that's from this. There, that that scene exists from this movie somewhere. I will. I don't know okay, if it's I like director's on, cut or something like that. I watched but, this and Digging Up the Mirror both on Shutter. So did I. Yeah. Get your Shutter memberships for four ninety nine a month. Only five dollars um, a month. They're both on Shutter though. So if you want to watch these movies, you don't have access to them. Shutter is the way to go. Um, I do own the movie though, so this could be a correction. I will go home tonight. and I will watch the deleted scenes. Why'd you watch these on Shutter if you own one? I watch them at work. Oh, I got yeah. paid to watch these movies this week. Yeah, that's so, nice. I mean, why not? Um, but yeah, no, I will watch scene, the deleted scenes. Though. Maybe know, there's something in there. I know but. for a fact that that scene exists somewhere. But why they wouldn't keep that in the in the original cut, I don't know. Because it's a great scene. Well, at that point, maybe it was too much comedy for the ending. It wasn't. By the ending, it, they took a lot of the... It wasn't... Uh, I don't know. I think yeah. it was... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's there. It's somewhere. I, I'll, I'll find it for you. I'm but, sure you um, could probably pull it up on YouTube or something. Yeah, probably. But, Did um, you get the idea that Taylor was in love with Leslie Vernon? I feel like that was kind of his game the entire time. Like, he was he was playing her, and he really made her sort of feel for him. I think, yeah. And she I think and he she did. did. I he think did to she her, did. too, because she actually asks him at one point, point in time when he's still referring to another girl as, like, the final girl. He goes, she asks him. The survivor him, girl. The survivor her, yeah. girl. She actually asks him, are you in love with this girl? And he goes, I'm in love with the idea of what she can be. Mm -hmm. And I feel like he's talking to Taylor at that point. Right. Like he's without her knowing it. Yeah. And I, I totally got that. And I think that at the very end, when he's saying his goodbyes before the uh, climax starts, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> he, but he's like, they're both, they have like a moment though. Yeah. Like they really, the two of them have a moment. I feel and, like she, uh, I feel like she has several of those throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. Like there are, and you could chalk it up to uh, to adrenaline on her part because she's seeing some things that she's never seen before. Yeah. But I, f I feel like there are several points throughout the movie where it seems like she's almost got like a, a little bit of a shine for him. I think so. And there are a couple times where he seems like he has it for her too, but I think that it's just him playing it out. You know. Yeah. I think so. it, yeah. 
I, I just I definitely picked that up. Um, anything else? Uh, no. I <laughs> as always we gave away a lot about the movie. I think that yeah, you just but there's need... so much more to get out of the there's, movie. Though, there really you know? is. There's there's a lot to this movie, and uh, especially if you're a fan of of uh, the horror or, or the slasher movies from like 70s and 80s. Yep. And in 90s even, you know, like especially with Scream and stuff like that. If you're a fan of those movies, you should definitely go check this one yeah, out. I, I 100% agree. Yeah, that's a great movie. Um, and also, they're trying; they've been trying to do a sequel for it's supposedly years. in production now. So hopefully, who knows, maybe I would soon love we'll to see it. another one. Even though I'm mad at Scott Glossman, that bastard. But well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would still love to see another movie. Just um, don't gloss over this one. Yeah, man, man. <laughs> All right, so moving on from Behind the Mask to um, the wet dream that is digging up the marrow. That's <laughs> the best way to put it. Uh, well, uh, if you're a horror fan, at least. If, if you are if you are an Adam Green fan and you follow his sort of world with podcasts and like behind-the-scenes stuff, you know, he's he's got his, his very dedicated group of fans, which I'm definitely in. Um, this movie is essentially what I just said. It's a kind of a wet dream because it's not just a horror movie. It's kind of a documentary about his company, in a, a, in a sense, sort of. It's a it's a it's a slow, peek behind the curtain. It's a slow stroke in the world of Adam Green <laughs> about his company. <laughs> oh my God! So, all right, uh, digging up the marrow, uh, which is from. Do you have a date? I'm not I even on it. Uh, 2014. There we there go. You go. <laughs> they get the marrow from 2014. Is that um, AD or BC? <laughs> uh, BC. The okay. year of our Lord. Um, yeah. The, the the marrow was was just Earth, and they were cavemen, and they were. That yeah, was a bad joke. Um, <laughs> you put me on the spot, damn it. Um, so they got the marrow is uh, basically it is a mockumentary about. Uh, a horror genre director, horror director, Adam Green, Adam. and his cameraman, Will Barrett, mm -hmm. who is his real cameraman in real life, has worked on every single project with the exception <laughs> of uh, the newest, Victor Crowley. Right. Uh, so they basically get a um, a package in the mail from this guy uh, named Decker who claims to have found real-life monsters. Let me and give you the... Let me give you the uh... The IMDb rundown real Ooh, quick. Is it good? Well, just, uh, we always do Sometimes it. Sometimes so they're terrible, well. as, all, as all masking. A documentary exploring genre-based, the, there's their there's their first problem right there, is they, they literally say a documentary exploring, they don't say that it, okay. No. A documentary exploring genre-based monster art takes an odd turn when the filmmakers are contacted by a man who claims he can prove that monsters Wait. are indeed real. Yeah, it's pretty good, I guess. Genre-based art? Yeah. It's got nothing to do with what. It, that's a bad description. Mm, no, well, it does because in the very beginning of the movie, they're talking to guys like uh, Jason Edmondson. Man. Yeah. Oh cool. man, See, like I, really I, honestly, he's probably my probably my favorite artist in as far as like genre art yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah. Man, Jason Edmondson, look his shit up. But it's so this good. Is, but that says that this is a documentary exploring genre-based art. No, it's not. They use. They used Alex Party's art as a way to push the story forward. Right, right. But yeah. this is not a documentary about genre-based art, though. Yeah. Not so, by a stretch. So you dropped the ball again, IMDb, you, you bastards. So, okay. So back to what I was saying. Uh, <laughs> they get a package in the mail from this guy named Decker who claims that he has found real-life monsters and an opening to another world that exists beneath our own world called the Marrow, that he calls the Marrow. 
Which is a very cool name, by the way. Very cool name. Very cool. Better than Hollow Earth. <laughs> Which is essentially the same thing. But but on on par with uh, Midian. Oh, very Which is, much. this is, this is, this very is definitely, much. like, to me, this is, like I said earlier, the other movie was a love letter to just uh, slasher movies in general. I'd say this is Adam Green's um, love letter to Nightbreed. I would say that it is, but it isn't. I think that it is in spirit. However, the the uh, the making of this movie, the how it came to be, mm-hmm. I don't think it had anything to do with that whatsoever. I think there's Why a lot. Of, I think there's a lot of happenstance, um, and I'm sure Adam Green loves Nightbreed, so I'm right. sure there's something. But um, because originally. Uh, digging up the marrow, or the, or just the marrow, was Alex Pardee's art show. Right. He had all these creatures that he that he that he would draw these mm-hmm. prints, and they all existed in this world called the marrow. Mm-hmm. And then Adam Green, in real life, would actually get packages from fans saying that they can prove that Victor Crowley from the Hatchet series is really real, right? And that they have proof. And he had always had in the back of his head to sort of maybe maybe make some sort of movie about this. And mm-hmm. when he saw Alex Pardee's uh, art show, they basically joined forces, brought their two ideas together, and that's what became of this. Yeah. So that's how that's how it formed. So I'm sure there was some Nightbreed influence because, like I said, I'm sure they both love those movies. Well, but... Ray, Ray Wise's character is named William Decker. Mm-hmm. In Nightbreed, David Cronenberg's character is. Fair. Oh, Decker. you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, Philip Decker, if you're I'm abso- not mistaken. You're absolutely right. I forgot about that, so I stand corrected. Um, but yeah, so back to the uh, the story here. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's basically that. They decide to make a documentary about this Decker guy, mm-hmm. and that's the movie. It's them trying to make this documentary, and it's mixed with um, footage they shot with Decker, behind the scenes footage. It's it's a straight up documentary. And what difference what what differs between this one and and the, and the other movie is this one takes place in our universe in where world. where Freddie and Jason and Mike and Chucky are fictional characters. They're movies. Yep. Right. So so this is uh, Adam Green gets this package from William Decker and really 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 wants to believe in what he's talking about mm-hmm. so he decides to explore it a little further and for the most part they they casted this movie with people who were just playing themselves oh. you've got adam green will Barrett, uh his editor josh, josh ethier yep uh riley of vanderbilt his then his wife then now wife, ex-wife this, this is why you don't put your wives in movies <laughs> right. uh just saying <laughs> no, i'm glad that he did uh, she's, she's kind of a fox. <laughs> Kane Hodder, Sarah Elbert from uh, from Holliston. Well, who is... Sarah Elbert is his real life producer. Right. She works on everything he does. Right. They filmed this in the area in the Aeroscope Studios. They the only thing that I think wasn't real is his house. He rented a house because he was afraid people would actually recognize his house. Oh really? <laughs> so they did actually rent a house to play to play that. Other than that, though. Yeah, I think everything everybody, is real life. Well, there, there, uh, with the exception of just a very few characters. I mean, because they had uh, Mick Car- uh, Mick Garris, Alex Party, and then you've got like a few. You know, obviously the people playing character uh, creatures well, were playing sure, themselves, yeah, and then yeah. there was a uh, there was one guy at the toward toward the middle of the movie who played a um, a police sergeant. 
who yeah. was who was not himself. So well, the police. The, so the really, that, they what's that? The guy that plays the sergeant you talk about when they're in the park. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm talking about when they went to Boston to talk to the police oh, sergeant. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I say because the guy that played the police officer in the park. That was Alex. That Pardee. was Alex Pardee. Yeah. However, they redubbed his voice. Did wasn't, they? That wasn't his voice because Alex Pardee had a talking part in the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. and they were afraid they people might recognize mm. the voice. Um, the only other, the only other actor though that is actually cast was Ray Wise. Ray Wise. And they did that intentionally because they did not want people to get pissed at them over the fact that this isn't a real documentary. <laughs> right. Like they really didn't want to. So they wanted it like they needed it is, one recognizable face. Exactly. And also, I mean, if you're going to go with a recognizable face, Ray Wise just knocks it out of the park. He was so good in this movie. He's good in everything. Oh yeah, he's good in everything, but it, especially in the I, I really loved his performance in this movie. I the thought one it was thing, awesome. The one thing that I noticed about Ray Wise in this movie is his hair. I think this is the first movie I've ever seen where his hair is that short. <clears throat> it's usually more of a quaff. <laughs> and and this one it's very, very short though. It's cut to like an, a half inch it's to cut, an inch. Like kind of a kind of a buzz cut. Yeah, very well, short. He's, well he's an ex uh ex cop. Makes ex sense. private or detective, detective or yeah. yeah. So that um, makes sense. So yeah, so so they go with Decker. Decker brings them to this um, a hole in the ground. Basically, a hole in the ground. God, this movie's so simple. Mm-hmm. It hurts my feelings how stupidly simple this movie is, mm-hmm. and how awesome it is. <laughs> you know, uh, they they basically they go to a, they go to a, a cemetery or a park rather. Sort with of. A, well, it's a cemetery. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a cemetery in it. And there's just a hole in the ground, and that hole is. The, the entrance to the marrow and, and the whole movie centers around this hole basically right um and and they 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 do so much with it like mm-hmm. they do so much with nothing yeah and it shows the the power of not only good writing but really good acting especially a lot of people thought this movie was ad-libbed mm-hmm. it's not like there's almost and green's talked about this he goes it, on one hand, I love the fact that people say that it's ad-libbed because it means that we did a very good job with the acting. Like, like he, they came off as extremely believable. I'm going to say something about this. Um, I, I will say that uh, a lot of the performances came across as super believable mm-hmm. and, and maybe even at times ad-libbed. Uh, I love Adam Green. He's an amazing director. I know what you're talking about. Uh, I, th- I, think, I think I do. And and in certain situations, I do love his acting, like in, in Holliston. But his, his acting in this movie was not that great. What? Where, which parts are you talking no, about? No, so there were, there were times when he got a little more amped up and like him and Will were fighting with each other. That's when his acting chops kind of came out. Okay. But it was more like in his reaction shots to what Ray Wise was saying. Okay. Like there would no. be there would be reaction shots where uh, they would have so they had a by the way like camera. This is exactly what I thought you were talking about. Okay. And I have something to tell you about so, it. Okay. Okay. That's fine. So camera one is set up on on uh, Decker. Mm-hmm. Camera two is set up on uh, on Green, and he's seemingly reacting to yeah. what what Decker is saying. But his reactions were and. I'm gonna. Okay, I, his reactions just didn't They're seem. Terrible. They're they were awful. They were awful. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, like, like, and, it's and over. Like, it's overacted. Yeah. Now I don't know if he talked about this in the podcast or if it was on the commentary of this movie because I've I've watched both. Sure. That was intentional. The reason they did that is because they the idea is supposed to be that when they're they're filming, the camera might have been on. Ray Wise the entire time and Adam wasn't reacting so to speak they do this in documentaries a lot 
And so when they had to get reaction shots, he intentionally overacted it like he was acting reaction shots. Okay. It was intentional. All right. So I knew that's exactly that makes, what you were going to say. That makes more sense then. It's exactly what it was. It does. So like it after comes, they got it, done interviewing Ray Wise. It's kind of corny though. Well, let's get some reaction shots. We just act like you're acting nice. And, right. Oh, ooh, really? Oh, See, like, to, to me that, <laughs> that doesn't, is intentional. <laughs> to me, that doesn't seem realistic though within the confines of this story though, because uh, Ray Wise's character, Decker, was so, so matter of fact, and he only wanted to shoot for like the amount of time that he allotted. Yeah. That it seems like for them to put a camera on green and say, okay, let's do these pickup shots where you're, rea where you're reacting to what he said. But he also says... The it seems like Decker would have said, no, let's, we're not doing... Like, this. that's not what we're here for. This isn't... Well, he this... also, though, at the beginning of that part of the scene, though, Decker goes, there's a lot more people here than I thought. And Green goes, you want to look good, don't you? Yeah. So Decker was letting him do a lot of stuff that first time. That's the only time that you really see those types of reactions. Mm. Is in that first, first one or two interviews. Well, not entirely. Yeah. But I guess there actually, now that I think about it, there is kind of a shift uh, in Adam Green's reaction shots because it's when he used uh, to think uh, he was I'm, crazy before he I'm, started believing. Yeah, him. yeah, I'm kind of working this out right now. There's actually there's a shift, and I can think about it. I specifically, it's it's at the end of the scene that was our intro today, yeah. where Decker's talking about the IHOP. <laughs> He's like laughing. <laughs> he he starts to he starts to shift into this story about one of the characters who was uh in boston and he actually saw one of these monsters boston. in boston he actually saw one of these uh monsters interact with a human being and it was a young drunk college kid and the 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 monster essentially took the drunk college kid back to have like a sexual encounter with him and then the kid was murdered and like mm -hmm. torn to bits and there's a definite change in green's um demeanor demeanor about the whole thing because up until this point he's been super giddy like he he says throughout the movie plenty of times that this is a dream of his like ever since he was a little kid he's wanted to see a, a real monster yeah and he's believed his whole life that monsters are real and now it's finally coming true and then all of a sudden decker is telling him that these things can actually be violent and murderous uh -huh. and you can see a change in uh in adam's demeanor where he's like suddenly his dream is kind of smashed like he wanted to believe that they were just they're just monsters who are living amongst us and and they're, we're all kind of coexisting yeah. but it turns out they might all they might actually be terrible you know there's a um the uh, adam green and his arisco pictures every year do a halloween short and a couple of years ago they did one called monster problems about the monsters in the closet, the monster under the bed, and uh -huh. this and that, and it's it's kind of a comedic look about how oh these monsters are actually just really nice, like, and this and that, and they're you know they're they're just they're just people, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> and I think that's how Adam Green like like his character in this, that's what he wanted monsters to be. Probably what he wants them to be in real life. Actually. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I think a um, lot of him, I, I, a lot of his true. Uh, feelings were probably projected into yeah. the character that he was playing in this probably. movie, which uh, was himself. Speaking of the monsters, let's get into the monsters. Mm -hmm. Because they're unlike any movie monsters you'll ever see, ever. Well, this they're, was... They're th Alex Pardee's drawings brought to life without exception. Right. Like, even to the point where they don't even fit in the real world. No. They really don't, but... Well, if you've ever seen any of Alex Pardee's... Uh, Art, uh, artwork or illustrations or anything like he's his monsters are 
they're what you would imagine monsters to be like in like only in your dreams. You they know? look like super scary cotton candy. <laughs> I don't know what no, that no, means. Because but... they're all very bright colors, like super bright pinks, super oh, yeah. bright blues. They have those really bright cotton candy kind of colors, and a lot of them are kind of like bulbous and like they look like 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 a think of a human being with a giant cotton candy head, but scary. <laughs> yeah. That's what a lot of them kind of look like. They, right. Uh, there's this one, uh, my, my favorite uh, character, uh, Chicken, is like the little tiny monster that runs across the floor mm-hmm. you see him the first time. Yep. He kind of looks like Slimer, but with no arms or legs. He does look a lot like Slimer, yeah. <laughs> um, I just, yeah, it, it, and it's so unbelievable when you see it. It looks like it's just a puppet on a track, and it's almost supposed to. Right. Like, it, they, they don't hide the fact that these are just prosthetic monsters and there's no cg in this movie at all everything's uh everything is done prosthetically yeah i actually i remember watching uh, when we first watched this movie back in probably 2015 together yeah i remember watching the behind the scenes and there was say 20 years ago <laughs> no <not> that old <laughs> there was one character in particular uh named vance yeah and vance is one of the monsters and it was vance the one with the arms that that came up. Yeah, he had the sack over his head. Yeah, first. He, yeah, he basically looks like uh like this kind of a, a giant person, but with like uh, a huge sack over his head. With like a jack lantern. That's, that's face. painted like a jack o' lantern, and uh, um, jack chop. When <laughs> when he gets pissed off, he throws the sack back, which is actually <laughs> throws throws his sack back. <laughs> Jay, why don't you just walk in? <laughs> he, he throws this jack- gigantic balls. He throws this jack sack back off of his uh, off of his head, and he's got like eight arms that pop out. Yeah, and I remember I remember seeing it's like an the, umbrella opening almost. Yeah, I remember seeing the behind the scenes about this one, and and they were actually uh, so um, what the hell's his name? J- Josh Ethier yeah. was the one like in the the creature makeup. Oh, I don't remember that. Was that actually Josh? Yeah, that was Josh nice. either. And he was, they were actually like afraid for his well-being in this scene mm-hmm. because what he had was, uh, because like Mike said, this was all done practically. So they built this contraption to where uh, they needed these eight springs to shoot out at the same time and make it look like all of these arms were shooting out at the same time. But they were so powerful on the springs that they were on that they were worried that it would literally break his back when they all yeah, sprung out. Yeah, it was out. huge. So they had to rig it up to where it had... Uh, what are you guys doing? A little love fest over there? They had to rig it up to where it would be uh, controlled enough to where it would open safely. And yes. I can't... <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't do this. And then... <laughs> I can't do this because I know that I know that if I'm talking to you... Like, if I was talking to Jay and he was doing that, which they were just, uh, like, finger-banging each other... It was so heavy and it would break his back. I was listening to you. No, but you're you're different. Like, it's, it's the same <laughs> as, like, when you're looking at your phone, it means there's nothing going on in your brain other than you finger-banging Jay. My, all the time my point that i was just trying, the tips were touching they were they were worried about when Fingers. these when they they were worried about that when these things sprung open they were literally going to break josh's back yeah. and they had to like they had to rig it up with all these this like intricate system of pulleys and stuff to where it would open slow uh-huh. enough to make it not break his back but open up fast enough so that it would look cool uh-huh. so they literally got it to like the exact specifications to where it would do just that and if it malfunctioned and just 
the tiniest way, it would bust his back. Yeah, it was, was like that's commitment to a role. Sure, it is. even if sure. the role was on, he was only on screen for what twenty seconds, maybe. That was a gnarly looking monster, though. It, yeah, it was. It was very cool. Um, What's it? You you said your favorite monster was chicken. I love chicken because it's so it's so unassuming. Like he couldn't do anything to you. He might be able to gnaw at your ankles. But oh, that's he, about the extent of what he can do. That would still hurt. It would. I think I really like. But the, you could also punt him. So. <laughs> I really like the thing that came right after chicken, which was. Uh, oh yeah. It had. It almost is like an alien head, like a xenomorph head that like sits up, right? Well, it was. Uh, uh, so it had its head down. Yeah. And it had another face painted on top of its head. And the face that like was painted... clown face almost. Well, the face that was painted on top of its head was like a really recognizable Alex Party face. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, okay. like okay. Uh, a lot of his illustrations have that same type of face. Like uh, I, it, he did a cover for The Used, the band yeah. The Oh, Used, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it he had that the, uh, same sort of... Lies, had, for, Lies for the Liars? Lies for, yeah, I think yeah. so. And it had that same kind of face with the giant, like, white eyes painted on it. Mm -hmm. But when this creature is, you know, they point the camera at it and it looks like they're looking at that face. And then it lifts its head up and that face was actually painted on the top of its head. And it's got this just big, gnarly, like, inhuman, grotesque yep. face and it starts chasing after him. I think it was cool, too, because you don't, you see, like, little glimpses of these monsters. And you don't, yeah. you don't get, like, the full... The full picture of what they really are, which makes it even scarier. I tell you what, the scene immediately following that is like the very, the very first big attack scene when mm -hmm. they're in the car. That is intense as shit, dude. Yeah, it really is. Like it, they did such a good, a good job of just being in this car. I'm sure there's people shaking the car on either side of them, mm -hmm. but like Will, I'm pretty sure had the camera was just moving the camera a ton, mm -hmm. and it, it looks like they're falling down a crevasse, like in the car, like that's what it looks like. I've fallen down a crevasse. <laughs> like, it does, though. It looks like the car's tumbling while he's inside of it. He did yeah. such a good job of, of making it look, like, crazy. Yeah, it was good. Um, it's what I would expect the the a found footage shot to be, like, inside the Jurassic Park car when the T-Rex was attacking <laughs> it. Like, that's what I expected mm -hmm. it to look like. And it's so incredibly effective. How did they get out of there? Because when... So that's when Vance, uh, like, jumps on top of the car yeah. and starts crushing it. How the hell did they get out of there? Because it looked like he caved in the roof of the car. I think it just cuts, doesn't it, the camera? They don't really explain how they got out of there. The camera just cuts after a so bit. So do you, back what, do you the... think they managed to drive out of yeah, there? I, I think, think that's so. the only way you yeah. could have, really. Yeah, I think so. So. I think finally he put the camera down like a normal human being. <laughs> helped get them the fuck out of there. So there, there's a there's an interesting twist with, um, with Decker that they never fully explain. Well, they kind of do. Mm. What 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 didn't they explain? Well, I, I guess I'll I'll give you one of his lines from the end, and then so there's a room in his house that nobody's allowed to go into, mm -hmm. and then there's a part where he says toward the end, "I'm not gonna lose him again." Yeah, and they see him on camera going to the 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 mouth of the marrow and doing weird things. It almost yeah. looks like he's. It looks like he's crying into the hole, like and and speaking to somebody at one point in time. It even looks like he's maybe taking a spoon and and feeding something at one point in time. Yes, they never fully explain well, what's going on there. You're meant to believe that it's his son, right? But I never thought that it was. Why? Uh, I think that he became attached to these creatures because he's 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 been 
following these creatures since he was a kid. So he's become very attached to them. He might have even followed some since they were kids and looked at one of them as a son. And he's clearly a disturbed individual. Uh, and he stole him and locked him in his basement for the longest, longest time. And he find, and then he was he, and he was down there. So his, his so when they the reason that and spoilers because that's what we do um, at the very end you see Decker in a cage mm-hmm. because they're getting back at him for stealing one of their own they're getting back at him putting him in a cage doing the same thing basically saying don't fuck with us right like they're they I don't think there was actually his son down there I think that he was just disturbed and thought one of them was his son there was I um, I I, had and I don't of... think that his son was down in the ba- his, his the, the, or the, the the creature was in the basement at one point in time. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it was the entire time that the documentary was going on, though. Well, there was a, there was one point in time where they they hear it. They hear something yeah. going on down there. Um, that could have been it escaping, for all we know. Well, I think it probably escaped after the the big attack. Don't you think? Possibly. Like, maybe the monsters had gone back and helped it get out or something like that? It's possible. Because we, we know They by... don't explain a lot of it. No. So anything's possible. I just took it as that wasn't really his son. Or it was his son and they... I, I don't know. I always, took it, I always took it that it wasn't his son. I and remember... led to believe that, but it's, it's a misdirect. I remember watching the movie the first time and thinking... As he's telling the, so so he explains an encounter where, when he was working in Boston, he sees uh, one of the creatures that he's dubbed Brella because yeah. she looks like, uh, she's got like a, a huge like umbrella mis- head, misshapen head that's hidden underneath an umbrella, taking a, a young drunk college student to have a sexual encounter. Yeah. I remember thinking the first time that we watched this movie that maybe the young drunk college student was actually him, and he had impregnated Brella, and then that's where the son came from. I've never thought of that. And that then, way. and then, and then his whole his whole tale about the the body that showed up in the in the reservoir later that day or the the next week or something was just him kind of covering his tracks. I've never thought of it that way. That's an interesting take on it, though. and and that would explain why he's got such a like such a connection to them, and why he's so obsessed with. But why would he have one of them chained up in his basement? Because maybe it actually like maybe when he had the sexual encounter with Brella, she actually did give birth to a son, and that was a son. That, that actually was, his, was son. his son, right? Oh, there was once a Mrs. Do- mm. Ooh. Oh, there he was says, once they, a Mrs. Decker. They say, they they say was yeah. there a Mrs. Decker? And he says there was once. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe so maybe that's a thing. So maybe they're punishing him for stealing the child away from them because they claimed it as their own because he was He was one of them, right. And so he stole the ch- Oh, my God. This is making so much. This is You're blowing my mind the way that I blew your mind with the thing right now. That's <laughs> completely different types of things. But, um, I and You could be honest with there. I never thought. I've never taken it that way. But you could be right. I think it, I, I, I kind of like it, that theory. I think it's definitely. I think it's definitely in the right direction. Because otherwise, so why would all this, all the all the weird, uh, sort of mysterious stuff about him once having a Mrs. Decker yep. and having a son yep. and nobody ever talking about it? It's gotta. It's gotta all kind of tie into it somehow. 
who was the um there was a, a picture that when he was looking at it he goes my son now he asks adam green asks him at one point in time if he drew the photos or if he drew the pictures he goes no i had them commissioned mm -hmm. and then he goes something 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 my son he doesn't actually say that his son drew the pictures the way no, that adam yeah, green no, he thinks did. he said he did he did yeah okay he did he said he had one of them commissioned and they were looking at another one and and adam said so did did you also have this one commissioned and he said no my son and then kind of caught himself but what doesn't actually say his son drew it he just says my son. He could be looking at the picture, and looking and saying my son, like looking at the picture, referring to the the, the, the person in the photo. Which which uh, which, which one which, was it? Though? Which creature was that at that point? I don't know. Okay, this is this is another topic. I think we should talk about off the air. That was, no one knows what we're talking about. That was the one that was the 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 one that he said was his son. Like what we're thinking is uh, maybe he drew it or not was the conjoined twins. Okay. So. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I think this is is it's a good kind of movie to watch it and form your own opinion because it could be anything. They don't explain it to where you know, and they leave it open. I think they uh, knowing Adam Green the way we do and how he doesn't like, like he hates spoilers. <clears throat> he really likes stuff that's kind of open to interpretation. It would I'm guessing he never be answered. Yeah, I'm guessing he probably left it to where we can sort of formulate our own opinions about there it. There was supposed to be a sequel. Oh, there and was? Um, they, I guess, after right after the movie was released, the financiers, production company, whatever of the movie, uh, came to him about doing a sequel. The problem is, is that that movie got pirated and stolen so much it barely, I, from my understanding, barely made its money back. And there's so many, there it got pirated so much it just wasn't selling. And they can't make a sequel now because no one will give them the money because. Because they, 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 own, they, only, they only look at the numbers on the paper. And, and they own the rights, probably, part of it. Right. They have a stake in it. So he can't make it with anybody else. So, and that they've sucks. been, yeah. It, and, yeah, it, it, piracy kills. Yeah. You know, these are, these are your smaller filmmakers, and these are the ones that piracy affects. It's not your big guys. Right. You know, Steven Spielberg's not getting affected by piracy. Right. Adam Green, yes. So. Which is funny, because... Adam Green is like just like a hundred percent passion. Like he sleeps. He even he even mentions it some at, at, at one point in this movie. Is, and this is stuff you've heard him say on on the movie Crypt before. Like when he's working on a movie, he sleeps maybe two hours, two or three hours a night. Yeah. And, other, he's, and he's always working. On the other movies, the so. other twenty twenty two hours out of the day, he's constantly working. Yep. And somebody like that should be rewarded for what they and do, but he's You not. might think that that's kind of a crazy thing that, that, oh, Adam Green, he's made all these movies. He has a franchise and this and that. Um, it's funny. They, um, for their for their podcast, it's an immensely popular podcast. And they finally, after like four years, decided to start a Patreon just to start help funding it because it takes up so much time. They, it has to be worthwhile for them at this point, which is I'm totally I'm actually surprised it took them so long. Cause um, well, because they, they were always against crowdfunding. They never liked it. Yeah. They finally did it, though, because it, it got to the point where they had to do something. Otherwise, Cra they were going to shut the doors. Crowdfunding a film <laughs> and being paid for, uh, like, a podcast is obviously not for us because we just come here and talk. But, sure. <laughs> like, a, a, a podcast where you actually are credible and, or, and do the research and stuff like that, it's a... 
it's a job, you know. Sure. And they do it at, at their own studio, so they're yeah. paying for electricity, they're paying for, you know, time away from other projects to do it and this and that. So it's basically just to make it worth their while. Right. And of all they they get they get like hundreds of thousands of plays every week on mm-hmm. their podcast. And on their Patreon, they bring in like like thirty five hundred bucks a month. What? That's it. Really? That's it. That's crazy. Like, and there's so many other uh, projects and podcasts that are they don't even hold, they don't even hold a candle to the type of notoriety that like Joe Lynch and Adam Green have, especially right. together. Right. And just no one cares. Oh yeah. It's it's kind of sad. Like, I, I back it. Yeah. I, I pay ten bucks a month for it. Oh yeah, for it. I back sure. it. Um, there's there's oh, man there's but, pod, uh, there's but, yeah. podcasts out there with like relatively unknown people who make thirty forty thousand sure. dollars sure month. It's, crazy. it's crazy yeah yeah wow um yeah so it's just, it's just it's a weird it's a it's a it's kind of, it's a weird no pun intended monster uh, that that the fan base is mm-hmm. some people just don't want to support yeah they love what you do they love the content but they don't want to pay for it just don't want it. they don't want to support it yeah yeah it's it's a weird thing that's, that's, a, a, whole, that's a whole other topic for another time that is that is digging up the marrow I don't yeah. think there's much else to say about it. It's fantastic. It's I love, amazing. I, I'll just and... say I, I love the ending. Like the the way it ends yep. is gold to me. I love it too. It, it's I'm not, I, don't even say anything. Just it's, like the it's fantastic. There's 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 something that happens at the end that even like this time my I think this is probably my third or fourth time seeing it. I I went back because there's a I'll just say there's a noise that happens at the end. Oh, it's such a good noise. <laughs> <laughs> it's that's actually pretty accurate. There's a noise that happens at the end that I swear every single time I watch this movie, I, I go back and I rewatch it like ten times and sometimes I put the subtitles on mm-hmm. just to see if it's actually words. Because that noise, whatever it is, it sounds like something. It sounds like it's enunciating something, but I, I can't tell what it is. I can't either. It's possible, but it, but it opens. It opens. Jay put it through his super sweet sound stuff. The uh, <laughs> saying, Laurel, <laughs> Laurel, yeah, Laurel. Yeah. <laughs> All right, ready? I'll say Laurel, and you say Yanni. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Laurel. Wait, we gotta do. Laurel. Yanni. There it is. Put that up on the internet. What? <laughs> Shit's gonna go viral tomorrow. Put that in your internet pipe and smoke. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I think that'll do it for... Uh... Oh! There it that is. That was a bad one right toward the end of the episode. That was a really bad one. All right, I think that'll do it. <laughs> that'll do it for the... All right. So if you want to find us on social media, you can find us on SoundCloud, Instagram, and Facebook at the Buzzkill Podcast. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at the Buzzkill PC. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> The Buzzkill PC! <laughs> what about some iTunes? <laughs> you could, where did you, where'd you get those shades? <laughs> Same place just, you got those glass bottles. <laughs> I, just look, I just look over at Jay all of a sudden he's wearing shades. You can also find us on iTunes. Uh, give us uh, give us a rating. Give us a, give us a score. Um, you, can, you can give us, um, like what, five stars? Give us a hundred. Yeah, give us a hundred. Give us a hundred five star ratings. Let us know if you think it's weird that Mike uses his own semen as hair gel. <laughs> I don't think it's weird, it but work for Ben Stiller. If you want to find J Raj, you can find me on all social media at Ocean Recording, and also check out www.oceanrecordingstudio.com for all your fantastic audio needs. <laughs>
That's that. That's it. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, until next week. It's been real. It, it's super real. Yeah. Cheers. It's been meta. Also sort of meta, yeah.